This is Andrew T. Joining us on the show today, we have Brooke Emanuel, Principal Partner of Kai Capital Group. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for being here. Could you give us just a brief overview of what it is that you do, Kai Capital Group, and uh, kind of the projects that you're involved in right now? Sure. So we are a private company group formed by local entrepreneurs and business business mentors, educators, a myriad of different industries. We work with startups, established companies, as well as companies looking to transition. So from a consulting standpoint, we kind of cover the whole business life cycle. Oh, awesome. And uh, how, how did you like find your way in this space? How did you get here? Uh, good question. Yeah, it's kind of a happenstance or very grassroots upbringing of, of Kai Capital Group. It started with friends of mine who uh, were already in the entrepreneurial space. And they were asking me advice on different uh, topics or issues. And what I found was in working with them or just partaking in their decision-making process, I found myself kind of taking on this consultative uh, role, which was uh, not my real intent. But um, out of that grew uh, the idea that, hey, why don't you start something so that you can work with us officially and begin building kind of a track record or portfolio of of uh, some of the work that you do. So I uh, spun up Kai Capital Group and brought in some of the thought leaders that I thought could be good contributors for our clients. And and yeah, just kind of grew from there. That's cool. So this is something that you started here in Anwal? Started here, yeah. Started in Kailua, where I grew up. And uh, we've since moved to Honolulu. Yeah, the majority of our clients are here and the projects that we work on are on this side of the island now. So. And how many clients do you service? Currently three. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you have like a day-to-day you work with them or is it more how often are you working with the companies? Um, our services are more project-based. Mm. Um, and in scope, I would say it can range anywhere from a three-month engagement up to a year in some cases. So like if a company is trying to sell or transition ownership, Mm. or take on a merger uh, or take on a new partner. Uh, Those processes can be a little bit longer. In some cases, it's just, hey, can you help us clean up our financials? Uh, We need to make sure our books are are in order. And it can be very simple. So that can be one month to three months. Nice. So one of the things that we've kind of hit on a little bit and people have asked being based in Hawaii, what are some of the challenges that you face or some of your clients face being here? In the middle of the Pacific. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's two things. There's people who are either in some of the big economic driver industries, and there's people who are not. Um, if you're in one of the large economic uh, industries here, like uh, tourism or government DOD contracting, we're pretty vertically integrated here. So mm-hmm. you can kind of find your niche and, and do pretty well. Uh, if you're trying to innovate or create something new, I think the geography is a, is a huge challenge. Most people would view it as a, a disadvantage. I've also seen in some cases where it's an advantage. Uh, we kind of are innately this gap, uh, bridging this gap between Asia and America. And if you're able to kind of collaborate and bring those two 
um, cultures or businesses together, uh, you can find yourself in a good position being in Hawaii. Yeah, that was one of the cool things I saw with like the that East meets West. Um, sure, that whole exactly. Yeah, Blue Startups does a great job of, of really cultivating that collaboration between East and West. Like you mentioned, this last past year we had a great turnout. We had some experts on blockchain and cryptocurrency come in, and uh, you know those are pretty cutting edge uh, technologies and cutting edge topics. So uh, <laughs> we had a good turnout for that、uh, that event. So, how do you stay ahead of the changes in the economy or in technology for your clients? How do you continually learn?、Uh, that's a good question. Well, fortunately, wherever you are in the world nowadays, if you have connectivity to the internet and you procured some sources of information, you can stay on top of it. You never say you're really leading the edge, but you're you're just behind it. And fortunately for us in Hawaii, an advantage of being in the technology industry, in my opinion. Is that we lag in in the state, so you don't need、sure. to be on the edge. <laughs> you can be a little bit behind the edge and、uh, and still find ways to add a lot of value to people and businesses here. So again, that that could be another advantage for you here、yeah. in Hawaii. That's what I told Jenica when we started the podcast. I was like, you know, typically Hawaii is like five years behind,、mm-hmm. and podcasts. If you look at the data, it's been trending way up in the past couple years. Oh, we should start a podcast now, and and we kind of <laughs> looked out there and we're like, how many podcasts are there? And, and there were only a few, and so it's true. Like, there's that's one. Of, that's a huge advantage I see、mm-hmm. out here in Hawaii. It's just not like the blueprints already been written, but there are successful models that you can follow.、Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of the companies that you've started? Sure. I guess the first company that I started in Hawaii was actually a company that was in line with one of my passions and my business partner's passions. So the company is called Hawaii Golf Experience, and it actually came out of just kind of two guys, you know, knocking some ideas around while we were、uh, we were coaching at Kamehameha、uh, Golf Team actually, and、uh, we put some ideas to paper, and we decided to just go for it, and here we are. Four years later, and the the business is profitable and doing doing really well. It's a all online business. We didn't know what we were doing. We built our first website <laughs> back in 2014, and、uh, yeah, just a couple a couple local guys at a coffee shop, and、uh, yeah, we went from there and took it step by step. We took our took our lickings,、yeah. so to speak, but we we pushed through and happy that we did. You make it sound so simple, like it just kind of happened. But I'm sure there were times like where it took a lot out of you, or yeah. So <laughs> I think one piece of advice is if you have an idea for this perfect vision of something, be willing to be flexible and let the market drive how that business fits into the market demand. So to give you an example,、uh, a little bit about the, the story, we saw the best golf courses in Hawaii. In our opinion, were on the outer islands. But yet, if you looked at the data, the highest number of golfers were coming to Oahu.、Hmm. So we kind of sat back and asked ourselves, well, why is it that the most golfers come to Oahu, but the best golf to be played is on the outer islands? And we realized that there's just an education gap in understanding that oh, Kapalua is on Maui, right?、Mm. Or <laughs> Mount Alani is on Big Island, right? <laughs> you don't really know those types of things when you come to Oahu. So in our mind, we thought that we could start. Basically, a tour company that sold packages for day trips, and that's how we started. So we started with these day trips, 
and people would book it on Oahu, and we'd have ground transportation, flight, ground transportation on the outer island, take them to golf, play the golf round, eat some lunch, and come back. So it was turnkey for the uh, tourist. What we found was, as we built some presence on on Google and we SEO'd our website, is that clients began asking us for things like accommodation, Mm. things like their flight, their international flight to Hawaii. And so we kind of grew in our scope of offerings. And what we found our real niche was is actually creating these entire packages of multi-islands, multi-experiences from golf to helicopter tours, in some cases, private chefs, masseuses, like the whole nine, all in one turnkey package where we procure every every piece of the experience. So very different from what our original idea was, mm-hmm. right? And had we had we just been hard nosed and stayed mm-hmm. stayed the course, we may have missed out on this larger opportunity, which what Hawaii Golf Experience has grown to become. Wow! So just knowing that right time to pivot and what to do. Yeah, I think um, there's something I have developed over the years, which is my own entrepreneurial process model, and. At that time, I didn't have it, but it definitely contributed to the creation of it. And I use that model now when I take an idea and try and figure out what is the viability of it, the timing of it, the resources required, the commitment levels, and how does it fit into everything else I'm working on. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? About the model? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I've shared with some of my clients or some people that I I wouldn't call mentor, but impart some of my advice whether they uh, utilize it or not. I see another question. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, so there's really four things that I try to impart. And the first thing is to really understand who you are as as a person and who you are as an individual. I think it's vitally important to know what motivates you, what excites you, what inspires you. And with that, with with that better understanding, you're going to better know what your limitations are what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. So a relentless self-criticism, I I guess you'd say, to start Mm. and really be honest with yourself. And from that honesty should grow this philosophy, a personal philosophy. So what are your values? What are your negotiables? What are your non-negotiables? How do you prioritize different metrics for success? How do you measure success, right? For me, part of my philosophy is balancing physical, mental, and spiritual health. So I do things, actions every day, right, to improve on my mental health. I take actions every day to improve my spiritual health. I take actions every day to improve on my physical health. And when all three of those are in balance, I tend for me personally to find that I'm at my best. So that's number two. Number three is something that I learned from an old football coach of mine, and that is to understand that process is more important than product. (laughs) And the process, if you can create and employ a process that fits with your philosophy, right, and plays on your strengths, that is something that you can take with you in multiple different facets of life. And part of that process for a lot of people, I think is hard work, right? You guys talked about previous podcasts, survive or thrive while <laughs> you're survive to thrive right how do you get to that next step and if you if you have a process in place no matter if you look at kai capital's portfolio for example there's a multitude of industries in that portfolio it's that same process applied in many different product outcomes 
but the reason they're successful is because the process is proven and that's something that is true to the individual. So if your philosophy is strong, you understand who you are and you value process over product, you begin to balance your ethos, pathos, logos, every different element of yourself. I think you can, anyone can be successful in any industry if you find that balance. And then the fourth would be to fail quickly. Everyone's going to fail. Uh, don't be scared of it. Do it with passion and verve and, <laughs> and maybe some comedic relief if needed, you know. But do it and do it quickly because the next iteration of it might be the next thing that gets you there. So don't waste time. Don't have paralysis by overanalysis. Just mm-hmm. get something to market and figure out if it fits. And how long has it taken you to create this process? Or when did you realize you needed a process? You know, I think it, it was uh, an amalgamation of a lot of different inputs. Everything from how I was raised to the different cultures I was exposed to, to uh, my own curiosity. One thing that I learned early on was it's better to understand how you learn than learning that particular information. Mm-hmm. Right. So memorizing a bunch of arbitrary facts is one thing. And understanding that I'm, hey, I'm a really tactile and visual learner. That's something that, you know, you can carry with you throughout life. So that's one piece. Another piece is sports and athletics. The competition, always trying to improve on yourself, I think is a big, a big element. And then I would say that, you know, in my, in my master's program, I took this class called Imagination and Design. And in that class, they forced us to journal. And journaling is something that I've done my whole life and I continue to do it today. And I highly recommend that everybody does it because A, you can help tap into your subconscious thought, which is infinitely more wise than our our logical conscious thought. (laughs) So (laughs) try to tap into that as much as possible. And, you know, just writing ideas and and taking notes and then just begin to connect the dots where they've never been connected before. Have conversations, talk to people at coffee shops. You know, launch a podcast you know, like you guys are doing. Right? I mean, these are all things that you're yeah. taking action and doing it. And these these collisions happen. And once it, and the collisions can sometimes light a spark, and that spark lights a fire, and then it goes from there. So yeah, that's the long answer to your short question. I'm sorry about that, but it was uh, it really is an amalgamation of a lot of different things, life lessons. That's cool. I love how you talk about journaling. One of my football coaches, he said, writing crystallizes thought. Mm-hmm. So even when we were watching film, he would make us write detailed notes about what we need to do better. And, and it was because a lot of times I don't go back and read what I wrote, but just the fact that I wrote it down helps me to recall and remember. So you can't see us right now, but Brooke's sitting here and he's got his <laughs> he's got his notes here. He's got his journal and he's it's a good way to, for me at least, it's a good way to kind of keep my mind just to bring back to memory what I was thinking when I had this thought. Because sometimes it'll be like middle of the night thinking about something and then write it down. So mm-hmm. I love how you said that. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's highly uh, undervalued when uh, you think about the importance of writing something down. Like like your coach said, crystallizes the thought. I do sketching. When I write wow. in cursive, my cursive is my stream of consciousness or my gratitudes. Big, big believer in positive psychology. Awesome. So if it's in print, it's a note. If it's in cursive, it's uh, more of a stream of consciousness um, wow. entry. <laughs> You seem so aware of your surroundings, like internally, externally. Is that just kind of who you've always been or? Oh, thank you. I think that's a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I don't know. I think it takes 
time. And if you do step one of the entrepreneur process, as I recommend, is to truly understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that self-awareness is a big part of being comfortable in who you are. And as an entrepreneur, you got to be hyper-confident. You have to buy into a vision that you create for yourself and let let that be the framework for how you make decisions because you're making tough decisions every single day. And for some, from some perspectives, you can look at it and say, man, this is really difficult. This is really hard. I don't know how I can get through it. Mm-hmm. But from a different perspective, you can say, I am here because of the choices I've made and I made those consciously. And these are the choices that have put me in this position and this position has great opportunity because X, Y, and Z. So I think, yeah, that kind of segues into everything's kind of tying back to that model, but that's also by design because that is my framework for how I approach life in general. Wow, that's awesome. Well, so what is it about the people that succeed that separates them from the entrepreneurs that fail? It's a good question. I can't say I've diagnosed that yet. Maybe it's because I don't have quite enough experience to give you a good answer for that. But my guess would be either a refined process or uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I was just lucky. It was the right marketing conditions or, hey, I met, I just by happenstance met this guy at the airport and he happened to be a multimillionaire wrote me a big check for me to (laughs) complete my proof of concept right (laughs) so there's a lot of contributing elements to every success story and then in the eyes of the entrepreneur you never know how they perceive and how they uh, dedicate that success i got an interesting little story that i'll share Uh, my uncle uh, lives in a pretty wealthy community in del mar and uh, he was a very successful businessman and entrepreneur. And his neighbor, who lives in this probably about $10 million house, mm. and his neighbor is tattooed head to toe, completely head to toe. His eyelids are tatted. And so uh, he gets up the courage one day to ask him, he's like, hey, you know, how did you, how did you make your, your money? How did you create your wealth? Mm. And uh, to which he replied, you know, I just got really lucky. And of course, my uncle is curious, so he's asking more questions and come to find out that this guy was one of the inventors of pleather and his pleather company, his pleather company had contract for all the Bibles and encyclopedias. And then he sold it in 1994. And what happened in 1995? The Bible and the encyclopedia went online. And so all the printing co- printing contracts dove just you know died and it, that business died he, if he hadn't sold at that right time he would have been living in a in a different different zip code <laughs> <laughs> so so for some people it's just perception right he'll never tell you that hey you know i i had the foresight to understand that these popular books needed a certain type of binding mm-hmm. and so we came up with this unique composition of material he'll never say that he'll just say that he was lucky because of the timing so i think it depends on the entrepreneur that you're asking and i haven't seen enough cases personally to pattern match that and Mm -hmm. to kind of create a uh, diagnosis around it for you but i thought that story would be interesting one to share no No, i'm sure if you if you realize what the magic formula was then then we'd all be millionaires It's interesting, though, when you talk about entrepreneurs being hyper-confident, it almost seems like when, if you're a real true entrepreneur and you fail, you bounce back so quick Mm -hmm. that you don't even let it sink in and 
and hurt you at all. So being able to dust off and kind of like fail fast, I guess, but not mm-hmm. feeling. How do you keep yourself emotionally not involved? I think as a woman, like or maybe other women entrepreneurs that you know, how do you keep yourself emotionally detached so that it doesn't like get to your head? I don't know that it's emotional detachment. I think that emotions are are a great thing and they're they're inevitable uh, if you embrace them. And again, if you come back to number two of the model, mm-hmm. right, and you have your philosophy and you stick to that and you make that your guiding light, your true north will continually guide you, uh, whatever that is. For different people, it's it's religion. For some people, it's self-edification. For some people, it's the, the mission to get this business so that it can help millions of people. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is, I think it's hyper important to create that philosophy because again, you are taking beatings over the head every day. (laughs) You're making tough decisions, you know, hiring this person, firing that Mm -hmm. person, man, I messed up. And how do I, how do I rectify things with that investor? So there's, there are just constant barrage of challenges that you have to overcome. But I will say that as your philosophy evolves and as you begin to overcome challenge after challenge, you begin to understand that there is nothing that's impossible. And the world as we see it today was all thought up and created by people that were probably no smarter than myself, mm-hmm. right? And so if you can believe in it and you have a philosophy to help guide you, you can get there. I have a question about risk. So I think a lot of people are scared to go the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. route sure. uh, because of the risk that's involved. How do you help people overcome that? Or do you have any examples or stories? I try not to, uh, I haven't really been in that position many times. I, I have, in some cases, maybe given people that little extra push that they needed. Yeah. But I never try to, again, if I try to influence an entrepreneur, an aspiring entrepreneur, to either take on more risk or take off risk, uh, it takes them out of their comfort zone and who they are. So again, going back to that model, if you, if you truly understand who you are and you know you're risk adverse, mm-hmm. then I'll tell you, don't leave your day job. <laughs> Work on this on the side until you have product market fit or whatever it is. It gets to a point where you feel comfortable enough. You've mitigated the risk mm-hmm. to leave your day job. If, that, if, it's, if it's a risk that's a monetary risk, that's, that's one way to do it. If it's a risk of time commitment, that's a whole nother process and decision making to understand, you know, what are your family commitments? What are your community commitments? What are your, what other volunteer commitments or things that you have dedicated your time to that are going to have to sacrifice in order to make that idea or that vision come to fruition? Well, I'd, I'd oh, like to ahead, hear a little bit more about Hella Fitness. So you talked that you're working with some of the high schools. And, sure. And it, the focus is really about health and wellness. Um, I'm super into that. So yeah. could you talk a little bit about what the company does? Sure. Uh, we're a local fitness company that from the surface level, it may just look like we created a Hawaiian branded functional fitness brand. But if you understand a little bit more about the founder, so myself, I came out of an athletic background. I played college football. I played golf. My whole world has always included some semblance of physical activity. And in some cases, team sports, in some cases, individual sports. But at the root of it was always fitness. I wish I knew more about nutrition 
in certain in certain times. And one of our co-founders is a former UFC fighter, and he's also a nutrition uh, expert. So we have some nutrition expertise. Another one of our co-founders is a former prolific paddler and paddling coach. Um, so we have. Uh, understanding of sport-specific training in kind of your peripheral sports like paddling or or water sports. And we have another, and actually the other, besides myself, the other three have all owned fitness companies, whether they're nutrition companies, CrossFit gyms, they're all very connected to the fitness industry. Myself and another uh, one of our founders are from Kailua and uh, we've seen a lot of our local friends that kind of get older, kind of get a little <laughs> bit lazier, maybe drink too many beers on the weekends, you know, weekend warrior type. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one of the one of the issues that uh, we try to address is the absolute importance of taking care of yourself. So, I'll give you a an example. I used to work in San Francisco as a financial planner. And when I would sit down with clients, I'd often ask them, "What is your greatest asset?" And nine times out of 10, it would say, oh, my home, right? Mm-hmm. It's my, probably worth the most. To which I would typically reply, no, it's actually you, right? You and your earning potential and what you can do and your brain and your yourself. What, what, what can you imagine? What can you create? <clears throat> How do you influence people? How do you inspire people? That is the biggest asset that we have. So if we can't take care of ourselves, you know, I think that oftentimes everything else that we try to, to do, whether it's relationships, whether it's a business, whether it's anything, you're, you're not going to do it to your best ability if you're not in good health. You know, I, I sometimes use the metaphor that they say when you get on the airline and they say, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first yeah. before helping others. <laughs> so um, I'm a big, big believer in uh, health and fitness. And so uh, the four of us got together and uh, Heli Fitness was born, and so now we we work with CrossFit gyms, we work with fitness clubs, we work with high schools. We try and educate the educators and update them on you know kind of the cutting edge of nutrition, the cutting edge of of fitness, and what it means to take that knowledge and take it beyond the time that you're in high school, so that it's a skill set and an awareness and a consciousness that you take with you throughout the rest of your life. So was this like a, a gap that you saw or was this like something that you, you've always wanted to pursue? Yeah, it was kind of a fortuitous alignment of, of a couple of different things. One was the market. There was no, there is no, uh, besides us with Hele, a local fitness company that is focused on functional fitness that really is overall health and wellness, right? Mm. So nutrition, understanding understanding our food is, is a huge huge piece of, of wellness and kind of a side note if you think of food as fuel for the brain and the body I think we approach it differently than if we just start like oh I'm hungry and let's go grab a plate of lunch <laughs> <laughs> but um, I understand there's a lot more components to it than that but um, I think that market conditions one of not having a local company and everyone who's even trying to get break into fitness or uh, the businesses who are in fitness industry here, a lot of that generates commerce and generates money. Mm-hmm. And when you spend that money on mainland companies or businesses that aren't local, localized, uh, that's wealth that's getting extracted out of Hawaii. 
So if we can maintain that, pay the taxes here and put that back into the community, mm-hmm. um, make some donations here and there, uh, support different projects that are happening. We just donated 10% of our April sales to the relief efforts in Kauai, for example, yes. right? So really about creating that community and a healthier Hawaii is, is, is a mission of ours. So uh, in line with that is definitely starting at the grassroots level, working with the kids, getting them trained up on it. And it's not just how do you do a power clean or an Olympic lift. It's why is it important? How should you schedule your workouts? What's a good time to work out? How do you prepare mentally for the workouts? How do you prepare physically for the workouts? What did you eat before your workout? How are you, how are you thinking about uh, the workout? So it's, there's more to it than just lifting heavy things over and over again. <laughs> and that's so good. I feel like over the last 10 years, I've become more aware of what I eat and how it affects my body. And I realized growing up in Hawaii that I didn't really get any of that education. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we had PE and we uh, ran biathlons and we did, you know, a lot of physical activities and we played sports growing up and never, I can't think back to one instance where a coach or any teacher taught me what to fuel my body with mm-hmm. that would help. And I like that you really talk about how it fuels your brain as well, because it does really have an effect, like what you eat, what you drink every single day, mm-hmm. how you sleep, it um, it sets you up for your whole day. So if we can teach that to the kids, to our kids, and as they grow up, they can have those habits and that type of lifestyle, it just already sets them up for success. Yeah, food is another passion of mine and Kai Capital Group works with Slow Money Hawaii. We actually helped uh, start that up here and Slow Money is actually a national organization but we started the Hawaii chapter and we're basically a information platform as well as a peer-to-peer lending platform for people in the sustainable food system. So uh, if you touch the sustainable food ecosystem uh, we probably have some way of working with you or helping with you. So we've worked with a lot of the North Shore organic farming community we're trustees on Kiva, uh, so we, we just got a baker in Maui, fully funded her $10,000 that she needed to, to expand her, her bakery. So there's a lot of really interesting things happening locally around the food space, but that we could have a whole other podcast oh, <laughs> just, on, just on, the, on food. I read today, actually, that in the U.S., for every dollar that is made in the food industry, farmers make like eight cents. Mm-hmm. And how? Oh, wow. And it just made me think of all of these farmers in Hawaii. And then, where am I buying my food from? And how am I supporting local farmers? Kind of a side note, but I love that Hawaii has such great soil, and it is such a great place too. Like we have all the resources we need to have a healthy lifestyle, but it has to start at home, and it has to go into our school systems. You're, you're right. We need another podcast. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> daily choices, right? Daily choices. For sure. So tell us a little bit about what the startup scene is like currently in Hawaii, where it's come from and where it's headed. So I, I moved back to Hawaii kind of at the early stages of, I guess you call the ecosystem evolving here. I got to say that one of uh, the projects I'm working on, we came through Blue Startups here. And Blue Startups has done a phenomenal job of creating a platform that has brought in both private investor dollars, married that up with uh, some government matching dollars and facilitated kind of the growth and proliferation of entrepreneurism in Hawaii. A lot of it is technology, well, it's all technology focused. Uh, some of the companies 
that started here are still here. Some of them have moved on to the mainland. Some companies have come here from other places and created some roots here. So again, it's it's really working as a catalyst. So there there are a couple different accelerator programs. Ulupono Initiative is one. They do some great work in the energy and agriculture space. Elemental Accelerator is another one that has had some some good success in recent years. And Emerson Foundation just bought them, which is uh, Steve Jobs' wife. Uh, so now they're uh, they're very well funded. Uh, the Sultan Brothers are doing a good job with their collaboration with UH with uh, Accelerate UH. So th- there's there's these little hot pockets popping up left and right, and the state is going under some kind of reorganization. But HTDC uh, is also one of those cornerstones in, mm-hmm. in the ecosystem. So bringing all these these different accelerators and facilitators together, uh, what I what I would call feeders. So you have like uh, you have the leaders and you have the feeders and the entrepreneurs. In my perspective, to build a, a healthy ecosystem, it starts from the bottom up. Um, it has to come from the bottom up because if it's top down, you might as well be industry, big corporate, mm-hmm. uh, right? Instead of the top coming down telling you what to do and how you do it, it's uh, really the grassroots guys who have to lead the lead the innovation and the ideation, and the feeders to just support that. So, you know, the feeders are infrastructure people, people who, you know, we need our attorneys, we need our accountants, uh, we need our business leaders. And those people are there to feed and support. We need investors, we need capital to push these things along. So the accelerators, Blue Startups in particular is close to my heart because Activator, one of my technology software companies, we went through Blue Startups and it's been a phenomenal experience. And we are one of the few local companies who are uh, still residents of the office. And uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see all the different people that come through visiting from Asia or Europe or even the Middle East. We had a company come in through here from Israel. A lot of companies from Canada and the mainland. and Just a very interesting experience being here as opposed to just sequestered in an office somewhere downtown Honolulu. You don't have those collisions and, and those interactions that I touched on earlier. So, wow. Does it re-inspire you every time a new cohort comes through? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I love hearing what people are working on. And it's also interesting to see where Blue Startups mm-hmm. sees value going forward, right? Because you can look at the cohort in its entirety and say, okay, you know, there's probably 500 applicants per cohort and wow. they accept seven to 10 companies. So you wonder, okay, they had to go through a lot of selection processes to, to get to these few companies to invest in and, and really engage in the, in the cohort. So never been disappointed, always great, inspiring entrepreneurs who are vision led coming through here. And, um, it's a great opportunity for us to get to collaborate with them at, least, at the very least just share ideas so yeah it's amazing like what can come out of this this thing i remember first hearing about blue startups i think it was like second cohort and they're just barely starting out and it was at a technology fair and governor Ige was up there and he's like I want to <laughs> stop this brain drain i want all our <laughs> local kids come back home and and it's, you know, I'm not involved in Blue Startups, but seeing them from the sideline, it's been very cool, very inspiring to see all the growth that's happened over the last the last few years. So where do you see yourself going? You have, you were involved in several different companies <laughs> and 
And mm. I'm assuming, I want to ask you how you manage your time, but I feel like it's going to go back to your process, your yep. entrepreneurial process. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think is your next challenge? Yeah, there, I guess it depends on, on perspective. I mean, I find challenge in every day. Uh, so I look forward to tomorrow. I welcome it with open arms, knowing that I'll be challenged. Today is a challenge. I've never done this podcast thing before, so this is this is new and, and fun. But it is challenging, you know. It, I'm wearing multiple hats in this conversation, so I think that for me personally, I really want to see Hawaii continue to grow both internally and externally. And I, what I mean by that is, I think that. Externally, for example, I have a former roommate who three or four years ago we were living together in Manoa and they just sold two brothers. They just sold their company called Fair Harbor oh, yeah. to booking.com for a large sum, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which is a great external benefit for Hawaii to see a startup, a technology startup, yeah. right? That grew organically in Hawaii based on the market opportunity and went to a global scale. That's a great external benefit to Hawaii. Internally, I think some of the challenges we face is understanding how to create value here that isn't predicated on the industries that exist, right? Mm -hmm. you, you could make the argument that technology industry doesn't exist in Hawaii. And everyone who works for a real technology company here is working for Google or Amazon or some Silicon Valley startup and they're working here because the weather's nice. But as long as you have a laptop and the internet, you can work for any company. Well, while that may be true, I think that we can provide, again, like what you touched on earlier, Andrew, saying that we don't have to have as much of a brain drain here. We can create an ecosystem that can sustain and support the people who are innately connected to and want to stay connected to Hawaii, geographically speaking. Mm -hmm. Right, because anyone who can, you know, write code could literally work anywhere in the world. But if you're from Hawaii and Hawaii has a special place in your heart, I think that that connection, same reason why all three of us went away for school and we all came back, right? That that holds a different care and a different understanding for the health of the community as opposed to just the health of the, the business opportunity. So I'd like to see Hawaii grow internally from that standpoint. Very cool. Okay. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on the podcast and just for all of your insight on we covered a variety of topics. Uh, <laughs> was there any last words of advice or encouragement or, or things you wanted to say, maybe people that helped inspire you, you wanted to talk about? My parents are huge, huge influencers. So I want to say thank you to them, my family, great friends and great business partners. All my business partners are, you know, you enter into relationships with those people those are people that you you share the good times with and you share the bad times with and you in sharing that struggle and coming through whole or at least semi-whole on the <laughs> on the other end is is something special and it's really understanding the the birthing process of a business and the challenges that, the, that that brings mm -hmm. if you can make it through to the next stage it's there's this natural evolution that takes place and a bond is created with your business partner so Thankful for my business partners, also very grateful for our investors and our backers and the people who just support us either from the community or someone's willing to make an introduction to us and help us really just get one step closer to realizing our vision. You know, that's a very special 
special thing here in Hawaii, and I'm very grateful to be a part of it. Well said. Well said. Awesome. Well, if you want to reach out to Brooke, visit the Kai Capital Group website, www.kaicapitalgroup.com. The links to their social media is on there as well. And if you want to learn more about The Pacific Current, you can visit www.thepacificcurrent.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So all the fun stuff. Subscribe, listen, follow, <laughs> tell your friends. <laughs> all right. We'll see you on the next episode. I'm Jenica Kay. And this is Andrew T. Woo!